Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's going on? It's Ryan. Welcome to another episode of the Best of the DA Show here. Our cold open, the what is left of the carcass of the Pac-12, do they have suitors? Your best audio and sound check, including Pete and his ability to hit the tuba on President Joe Biden. On top of that, the NFL released their top 10 players in the league. Your Trash Tuesday takes Kevin Brown of the Orioles, the play-by-play announcer for them. He was suspended indefinitely for some comments. We'll talk about that with analytics and your epic fail. Let's go. First things first, a follow-up to yesterday painted a bleak picture about the future of what's left in the pack for Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State. Where or where are they going to play? Oh, Maybe there are suitors, not one, but maybe two leagues are thinking about going west and at least bringing Stanford and Cal into their situations. It's where we begin. It's your cold open. Nothing gets college presidents more excited than an affiliation with two of the most elite academic institutions in the country. Obviously, Cal, one of the premier public institutions. Stanford, obviously, one of the elite private institutions. Stanford, top to bottom, I don't think anyone would argue, has the best athletic department in the entire country. Second reason, they are distressed assets with nowhere to go right now. So I think picking up the phone and doing some vetting and exploratory talks, and sources have cautioned me, these are early talks. They are formal talks because people are getting on the phone, but they are early. They don't see a lot of uh, a lot of drawback into at least having the chat and running out the ground ball, if you will, to see where they are. There's don't, no denying the significance of this. This is a, as big a deal as it gets to be. I mean, this is... Uh, uh, really kind of shocking. Um, you know, personally, it's it's sad. I don't believe it! The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending. It's DA's top story. Here he goes! It's your cold open. The first voice there, friend of the show, Pete Thamel from ESPN, on the potential of the ACC to check in on Stanford and Cal. The second voice was Bears football coach Justin Wilcox, who I believe played and has also coached previously inside the Pac-12. So he's a, a conference lifer and certainly does not like to see it break up, especially since his Bears right now are left in the lurch looking for a place to go, which takes us back to Thamel and the ACC. Reportedly in the very earliest stages of conversations, the vetting process of Stanford and Cal only, because as Thamel said, that one is about athletics. I mean, about academics. They don't really care about those things, but it is 
a nice little feather in the cap when you can add two high-end institutions to your conference, geography be damned. And that's at least what the ACC is thinking about. But the problem really is that geography. Adding those two schools and their academic prowess, that's the lure for the ACC. It's not financials. They're, that's not going to Adding those two is not going to kick in more money in their TV deal. So they're not bringing really extra dollars. And in fact, all they were doing is taking dollars out because they would have to get some form of revenue sharing. So not full shares, but partial ones. But that's still millions of dollars redistributed to them away from the other schools if you bring them in. And don't forget, the ACC has already tweaked its system and it still has FSU grandstanding for more money. So that revenue system is not perfect and adding more schools only thins that money out even more. But really, I mean, the geography thing here is just insane. And maybe it only bothers me, but it shouldn't. The NCAA president, Charlie Baker, did weigh in on this yesterday. And he's new, so he gets a little bit of a pass. But for the most part, I don't want to hear the NCAA because they are the most hypocritical in all of this. I don't want to hear them defending student-athletes. They're the wrong messenger for the right point is once again, if you put Stanford and Cal in the ACC and all of their conference games are in the Eastern time zone, that just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't in any way benefit the non-football players at those schools. Traveling, crisscrossing. I mean, what are you going to do? Spend a week, three weeks? like Traveling to Clemson and make a whole route through everybody and stay over there for weeks at a time to save on travel expense? I mean, it's just, it doesn't make any sense logistically, but at least it's in play. What makes a little more sense, at least geographically, logistically, but not much more, and that's the AAC, the good old American, they apparently would take all four, at least open to the possibility of taking all four remaining Pac-12 schools, Stanford and Cal, plus Oregon State and Washington State, and this is a little more of a complex thought here from the the AAC because they have had some threat from the Pac-12 since SMU, which is in the American, had been one of the schools the Pac-12 had looked at trying to strengthen itself earlier in this process. So if you kind of beat them to the punch, you get to keep SMU, bring those in. The AAC has a TV deal in place, but obviously it is not near anywhere near the amount of money the Pac-12 deal currently is or even would be through the Apple deal. And the AAC moving in also throws the Mountain West then into this process indirectly because the Mountain West doesn't want to fall behind the American. Those two like to fight back and forth about who actually is the best non-Power 5 conference. And I think it's the American that actually officially trademarked presents itself that way and the Mountain West very vociferously disagrees with that but if the AAC thinks Pack 4 then the Mountain West needs to think Pack 4 but the issue there is the Mountain West can't absorb well I mean they can but if they were to absorb those four if they go and grab them and take them and bring them into the Mountain West then the Pac-12 truly dies in terms of CFP payouts, its connection to March Madness, and the women's tournament as well. So the monies involved in there would not come with those four schools into the Mountain West. The way from Mountain West schools to benefit truly from adding the Pac-12 schools is to actually merge into the Pac-12 
that way. But now we're talking about all those exit fees, which I had mentioned at $17 million yesterday. It's actually would be $34 million per school, so it's just impossible to straight steal from the Mountain West if you're the Pac-4. So a merger becoming a new Pac-whatever is the best way to go there. None of these things are imminent. None of these things make a lot of sense. But that's all the Pac-4 has now. This is what they've got. The ACC, at least in terms of notoriety and prestige, that makes sense for Stanford and Cal. But that's the end of what makes sense there. Because, you know, Stanford soccer playing Clemson and Wake and whoever in the, in the ACC, I mean, as a regular game, a conference game, that's a tough sell for me. The AAC and the Mountain West are steps, are steps down in terms of that prominence and certainly steps down in terms of financials. But at least there are those schools a little closer to home, a better chance to develop somewhat geographical rivals and at least be smarter in your travel plans and more buses and less planes and less time at airports and less times out of the classroom for those student athletes. We've got a very busy hour one this morning, a rare hour one guest. Toby Rowland is the voice of Oklahoma football. He is... The voice today of Sounds of Saturday. He's been nice enough to come on the show before his own local show at the top of the hour. So we'll get to him at 6.40 Eastern today, which means we got to get a sound check early. An inside sound check is the president, the Jaguars' new bathrooms in their training facility, and Steph Curry on stage at a rock concert last night in San Francisco. It's all in sound check. How about that? Which is next, the DA Show, CBS Sports Radio. CBS presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. I don't know how to how to present this clip. We've got two old guys meeting at the White House. It leads to a joke. A joke that Peepalotti cannot wait to react to. Sit back and enjoy Joe Biden, Dusty Baker, Astros World Series White House celebration yesterday. I tell you. Remarkable achievements led by, and this is not hyperbole, the legendary Dusty Baker. <laughs> Worst part was I remember rooting for him as a kid, and I was old when he was. <laughs> <laughs> Dusty, it wasn't easy. People counted you out saying you're past your prime. Hell, I know something about that. Woof. I mean, woof. A bipartisan issue. That wasn't funny. It was Not cringe. even a little bit. It, it, was, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. But Pete loved it. Pete just got to tuba twice, the president. I don't know how they'll respond. I don't know if this will be asked during today's press briefing at the White House. Nobody, nobody will be able to say that. You know what? I kind of wish we had a connect. If we thought hard enough between me and DA, maybe we do know someone in that room that would have the 
you know what to just raise his or her hand and ask if the president had a response to Pete <laughs> the body of a lot of using his joke tuba against the president this morning on the DA show. <laughs> I'd be honored if someone asked that question. I mean, could you imagine if your name was mentioned in that press room of the White House and when I'm assuming those things get transcribed and put into some kind of you know, like book somewhere and then the president, the congressional library or something that's got to be on record somewhere, right? We got to have a contact. Have to. That that could do that. But it's a two prong thing. Contact a person, but also then that person needs to feel comfortable and confident to ask the question as well. It's not just knowing somebody there. It's knowing the right person. And so, yeah, somebody that's on the ins in that circle. I mean, it's also possible that somebody's just listening right now in that area or on the free Odyssey app or the CBS Sports app that covers the president, that covers the White House, that likes the show, that would do us that solid. I, I hope they would. I, I'm a very good guy. I mean, I would love to have my, my name mentioned in, in a White House press briefing. It, it, you might pick a different better. president to be connected to. But, <laughs> yes. But you do love the tuba joke. I do. Interesting. Does, All right. does he get put on the list, though? The hate list? He already's on that list. Already? Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they don't even know me on the hate list. Yeah. No, he's on he's on multiple lists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> some good, some bad. Most bad. <laughs> they're always they're always watching. Uh, no radio show loves bathroom talk more than this one, which brings us to our second clip in sound check. The Jaguars have a new practice facility, which means new bathrooms and high tech ones at that. Scott Hansen. The voice, the man of Red Zone, shared this video on his Twitter feed yesterday. You're about to see the most advanced urinals in all of professional sports. Jacksonville Jaguars headquarters. All right, that's a sensor that will measure your hydration level. If the light turns green when you go, you're good. If it's yellow, you need to hydrate some more. If it's red, you're probably going to get a notice from the athletic trainers and maybe have an IV. So are you signing into the urinal so the urinal knows who you are, or is it just red light, green light here? A little too much information for me. Yeah. Does it take, like, your DNA? And send it back to the training staff that so-and-so is... Now, I always thought the clearer the better... If your urine was clear, you were in a good spot hydration-wise, right? I mean, that's kind of the general... That's what I've been told, yeah. Right. And I feel like if you're going to do this, it does make some sense. But if you're going to do it, somebody needs to know whose urine that is. So you almost do need to, like, fingerprint or something so the urinal knows who it is. And they check and they go, okay, Trevor Lawrence is fine. But Travis Etienne needs to have a little Gatorade. Right? If you're gonna if you're gonna log it, if you're gonna somehow test it, you should know who's you're testing in case they need to have a little more water or something. Or go or, all in. Or do they have to like self-report? Like, I don't feel so good. My 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 urine's not that clean. I don't think a dude's coming out of there going, that was just too yellow. I gotta give me some Gatorade. I just got a red light. I don't think anybody's doing that. I'm all laughing at it. You There's can't trust no them. This, yeah, no chance. You got guys not even trying to miss it, probably, so there's no light at all. Oh, it's, like, directly in the center, too. So it's, like, you have to, like, specifically aim for it. Or, yeah, or it's easy to miss. You can just shoot underneath it, and it's never going to sense anything if you're 
afraid of your hydration levels. Well, some some bars have that have a game. I, I thought I saw a couple of bars that have a game when you go to the urinal. All right, see that makes tons of sense. That, that see they should put that in there instead of instead of a hydration urinal. I actually saw the Scott Hansen video yesterday while I was sitting here, and I so I saw it, but I couldn't hear it, and I did not understand why he was showing me this little white box. In the middle of the urinal. <laughs> now I understand. Now I understand why. Uh, last but not least, last night Chase Center in San Francisco, home of the Warriors, Paramore was performing, and who walks on stage? Steph Curry. Yeah. All right. So that's Steph singing? Yeah, it was bad. I mean, it was definitely bad. The quality doesn't help, but it was going to be bad no matter what the quality is. Are we surprised that Steph Curry digs Paramore this much? No. I feel like everybody likes Paramore. Yeah? I can see him being a Paramore fan for sure. Now, he was singing Misery Business. That's an old pair. That's a that's a deep track. That, that is a very deep track. Do you have, a, tra- you have history with that? What <laughs> is... No. I can't remember the name of the song where, because people might not know who Paramore is, but Haley Williams is the lead singer, and she's a she sings with a more popular. She was in Airplanes with B.O.B. That's what that's the that's song. That's a good song. I think a lot of people might might know that song and her voice more than Paramore, but Paramore is good. I'm just I would not have pegged Steph Curry for a Paramore fan, especially if to get on stage and sing with them. I, he, he seems like the guy that's early 2000s pop culture. This is him at Davidson rocking out. Yeah. Pre-game before yeah. Play, shooting threes over Georgetown. He He's definitely watched a... Twilight 2 for Paramore. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. It's a good thought. And I like Steph Curry a lot. If he's still locked into early 2000s pop culture, that's an even bigger plus for him. Twilight Wolf. Yeah, I mean, I never saw a second of it. I'm sure it's fine. I've mentioned, I mentioned one of those movies I fell asleep during the entire film. I was forced to go see it. Ah, okay. <laughs> it was a great sleep, actually. It was a good chair, you know. I actually, on Friday night, <laughs> my kids were being so annoying. And I just, like, I, I just walked away. I was like, I need, to, I, need, I need to be in a different room. I was exhausted. They were not, they were just making noise. They weren't doing anything bad. It was just loud, overwhelming. I had to walk away. I go, I sit down my, in the, like, the den, turn the TV on. I'm like, I'm going to watch a movie, even though I thought I'd be asleep in seven seconds. And I hit play on A Quiet Place. You guys know this movie? Yes. And I knew it existed, heard it was good. That's why I hit play on it. And regretting hitting play, going, you're going to fall asleep. Why are you even doing this? Next thing I know, movie's over. I was awake the whole time, enthralled the whole time. It's a really good movie, Pete. A little suspense, a little thriller, okay. a little sci-fi. It's really good. The the entertainment I've been into lately is uh, is Suits. Oh, because you opened Netflix. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's so bad. What's going on? They just probably get paid to promote it. It's the, it's the first thing that pops up all the time now. In season three. I mean, Tiffany Everthiesen's in it. I don't know why I did oh, watch she it. Is? Eventually, she joins All the right. cast. Yeah, so, so you're even get you haven't gotten the good parts there we yet. Go. But it's like overwhelming. It's like Netflix owns it, and like you're gonna watch Suits now. Just hit, just do it. Hit play. Don't go to quarterbacks. Don't go to 
is this is a cake. Please hit play on suits. Uh, that's next. It's a cake, and then the floor is lava. That's coming up. Floor is lava gets old pretty fast. Like, we get it. The floor is not lava. They don't actually <laughs> die. They are fools. Somebody survives. No big deal. Is it cake still fun? But I'm not I'm not taking the bait on suits. The British bake-off. Yeah, that's fine, too. That's fine. Too. The reality, the circle, that's pretty good. I don't know that one. It's like people hiding in a hotel room playing a reality game. Okay. It sounds bad, but you have to watch it. All right. And then there's those the house shows. No, we're over those. No more house shows. They make me too worried about things going on behind the walls of my house. <laughs> Mold here, leaks there. What's that no, noise not mean? That, not those house shows. The ones that we renovate them. Yeah, when you renovate them, that's usually when you open up the wall and like mold falls out or a dead body. Like I don't need, that's too much anxiety for me. No thanks. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right now, we're talking about the NFL's top 100 list. It's given us a couple of conversations over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it began with Trevor Lawrence being 10 spots worse than Justin Fields. That raised some eyebrows. DA had a problem last week with Kirk Cousins coming in at number 42 in the top 100, the 42nd best player in the NFL, and I believe the number six quarterback on that list. Now today... We've got the top 10. If you missed this reveal last night, a dramatic reveal on NFL Network and all the NFL media, so social media platforms, Patrick Mahomes, no surprise, is number one, followed by Justin Jefferson, last year's Offensive Player of the Year, then Jalen Hurts, Nick Bosa, and Travis Kelsey to round out the top five, Joe Burrow, Tyreek Hill, Josh Allen, Micah Parsons, Chris Jones, hold out of the Chiefs, go six through 10. I said this when we did the Fields-Lawrence conversation like two weeks ago. I'm bad at making lists. If you ask me right now to list my two favorite people I'm working with today, and I'm looking at Pete and Ryan, I would forget one of them to put on the list. I'm just bad at it, so I don't like making lists, and I also don't like going through lists because most people are also bad at making lists. And this one, because it's player-driven or player-exclusive, really, it has some more idiosyncrasies than others because players don't care. Players vote for their buddies. Players just don't know. I mean, could you make a list of a, your, your top 100 players right now? Like, could you do it with any actual, like, once you get past, like, 12, I don't know how much of a difference there is anymore. Like, it's just all popularity contests. My buddy is my college guy, or I hate this other dude, so I'm going to vote him at 80 instead of 18. 
And, and in the end, this list means nothing. It gets you nowhere. It accomplishes nothing. It doesn't go in your resume, or at least it shouldn't. It doesn't lead to home field advantage or bonuses. It's just the list for fun. But there are a couple of things that caught my eye last night. Patrick Mahomes, no big deal. Number one, 100% sure, no problem. Now, I don't know where Aaron Donald is outside this top 10. I think he came in like 12-ish. That seems, a, that seems like a problem to me. He was not that great last year, though. And that's so I should have mentioned that, too. This is based on last year, last year alone. So you do have to try and separate the overall resume and legacy of players when you're making this list, which at times is, is difficult to do. So Aaron Donald was not great last year. I get that. But I still don't know how he's not a top 10 NFL player coming off of last year. Either way, Jalen Hurts was fantastic last year. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But even him at number three seems a little odd to me, ahead of Burrow, ahead of Allen. Again, that's me struggling to separate previous seasons from last season. It's last season only. But I still think when you've done it more than once, you get to have a little bit of bonus points, so to speak, around some other guys. Nick Bosa is not a bad choice at all for your best defensive player. This list altogether has three Chiefs. It's got three defenders. It's got four quarterbacks, two wide receivers, and a tight end. And one of the things now that we can get the top 100 all together and look at it is see how the positions are represented. And I think we ended up with 10 or 11 running backs and a good number of them, Jacobs, Eckler, Saquon. Basically, if you were unhappy this offseason, you ranked ahead of guys like Justin Herbert on this list. So there seems to be a disconnect. And again, there's not a lot of science in this, but there seems to be a disconnect between the way players value running backs and more importantly how franchises and GMs and head coaches value running backs if you went off this list you'd pay guys who run the football Uh, but we're not going off this list which is bad news for them and they're not getting paid Tyreek Hill at number seven another thing that jumps out to me Tyreek was amazing last year but what's odd about Tyreek Hill and his value and how good he is is that he went to Miami and he made Tua when Tua was healthy he took Tua to a different level, took the offense to a different level, put up ridiculous numbers. I think he had 230 more yards last year than he had ever with Mahomes. Career highs in that regard. Averaged 100 receiving yards a game. He was fantastic, but the Chiefs won the Super Bowl without him. It's a weird dynamic of like how important actually is Tyreek Hill. But to, I that was actually the first name because I was going through it in reverse order. And to see him come in at number seven caught my eye. He There's no two ways about it. I mean, he's a dynamic player. And he's not the best wide receiver in the game, as evidenced by Justin Jefferson being five spots ahead of him. But the seventh best player last year in the NFL doesn't feel like it should be Tyreek Hill. But that's what this list shows us. And then Hurts at number three jumps out as well. Fantastic last year. Answered a lot of questions about himself, about obviously what the Eagles have as a franchise QB. Rolled them all the way through the NFC into the Super Bowl, and maybe was almost a Super Bowl champion as well. But Jalen Hurts, the third best player in the NFL, that's not the way my list would look. If I had to make a list, if I was forced to make a list, um, I would have not gotten to Jalen Hurts at number three. Anything, uh, Ryan, that jumped out to you otherwise that... Again, it's hard to be worked up about nonsense, but here I am asking you if you got worked up about nonsense at all. When I look at this, initially, if I'm, like you said, like going off last year, I'm okay with it. 
because I see Jalen Hurts being second-best quarterback last year behind Mahomes. On top of that, I think you're wrong about the Tyreek Hill, though, because he had to play with Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, too. <laughs> At the end, that's and true. And he still was second in receiving guards in the league with 1,700, so yeah. you can't blame him for that. I do wish Micah Parsons was a little bit higher, though. I think he had a better year than Josh Allen did. Yeah, I think that's fair. I And I, I think part of that, maybe, too, is... I mean, Michael Parsons is in the news, it feels like almost every day now, whether people are projecting him to be amazing or Mike McCarthy's telling him to stop getting near Dak Prescott in practice. But that, to me, is the thing. It's I like to ignore the Cowboys, and we'll talk about their kicking situation again later this hour, but if there's one thing you need to watch about the Dallas Cowboys, if you uh, are in the group that can't stomach the Cowboys, wants nothing good from the Cowboys, doesn't want to celebrate, enjoy Cowboy football for whatever reason, you also, your team lives in the NFC East or whatever, it's hard not to pay attention to Michael Parsons. It's hard not to pay attention to the possibility of the things he can be, the fact that he talks a good game. Uh, I'm just, I'm all in on what he possibly could be. To me, that's, you know, Nick Bosa got MVP votes last year. Micah Parsons is in line to get MVP votes this year. Odds of a defensive player winning it are very, very slim. But that's a guy that can change the game on almost every single play. Can do different things, freak athletically. They seem smart enough to know how to game plan for him, scheme him, put him in places where he can make some things happen. Again, don't like to be nice to him, to them, but he is all sorts of fun to watch on that Cowboy defense. So, what's eating you? People that get in the left lane and drive the speed limit. I gotta trash the NFL, man. Trash my ex-girlfriend. You want me to trash that? Trash Tuesday. My favorite day of the week, not for nothing. Time to vent. We take it out like the trash. It's Trash Tuesday. All right, here we go. Trash Tuesday. Let us know what's bothering you. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227, at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogish on Twitter. But we go first, and going first for us is Peter Schwartz. Pete, what do you got? Thanks so much, Pete. The new arena. Oh, new arena. Okay, good. We're still doing that one. Sounds great. Uh how about you, Ryan Botcher? Power forward center, Victor Wembanyama. Victor <laughs> I recently have had a pet peeve of people having their feet out anywhere they'd like. I was at the Metallica concert two days ago, and some lady just had her feet out, no socks, no nothing, on like the stands in front of me. So you mean her feet out of shoes? Out of shoes. Not like nope. out of the aisle or out of like her the, the seat space. They're, they're out of the speed space, seat space on like the railing. No shoes, no socks. This is not the first time this has happened either. People are doing it everywhere and I do not like that. We are trash and people. Illegal dumping. We are as a collective group disgusting. This is an epidemic that needs to stop. It happens on airplanes. I've seen it on the railroad going to Long Island. Just as if you're home, as if other people are not going to sit there. It's bad enough to put your sh- like your shoes that have been walking through Manhattan all day long on the seats. I would never do that. But then to have the goal to take your f- shoes off and put your bare feet on communal, whatever that is, vinyl, is disgusting. It's also amazing to me the amount of people on planes, mass transit, whatever, that watch or listen to things without headphones. 
like we all need to hear and like i've done it by accident sometimes you know and it's like it, it it's like mortifying that for three seconds i inconvenience somebody and people just sit back and listen to music or watch videos TikTok, whatever without headphones like do you like who raised you and at 4 a.m in the morning too they uh, no no hour no hour is spared well the only good thing at four in the morning for me on my train is that there are dudes who do not mess around because that's their extra little bedtime that doesn't last. Now, when I leave the city, people are less in, like, less in, in tune to saying something. But it happened actually yesterday morning. Somebody watched the video, was watching a video. 20 seconds, took a guy to be like, dude, for real? Turn that down. And it went away. But in the first place, how do you do that? I don't understand what would lead you to believe that that's in any way acceptable as a human being in society. They don't care. But I just don't, I can't, I don't. I don't know how we got there. Cell, cell phone conversations, too. Screaming because we're on a train. It's loud. you got to raise your voice. At least some people do that not on speaker. But then people do it on speaker phones. Like you're hearing both ends of the conversation. That should be a, a jailable offense. You should go to jail for that. All right. All right. Give me a number. Five. five I'm sorry. I'm on the train. Five. I'll call you back. And then they don't They don't hang up. Call you back? Yeah. That's the don't. I don't pick up. If Five. somebody I know calls me on the train, I don't pick up and I text them and say, I'm on the train, I'll call you back in a few minutes. That's what I do. How do they, if they're going underground, because I take the MTA in subway, their service drops and they don't care. Yep. And they keep going. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah. Someone needs to smack them. Yeah. Pete, what do you got? Uh, Bilotti, that is. What do you got? Well, I, I, I think I may have mentioned this before. I'm you probably tra- did. I, <laughs> I'm trashing people who have decided. Wait, let me guess. Who... No parking spaces. No. No. Who are online but don't know they're ordering the bagel store. No. <laughs> okay. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trashing people who draw, who give up the, the law when they drive in the rain. It, it, it's either they drive too slow or they drive too fast, both ways, possibly causing an accident. It's like rain. Oh, we're going to wash away any laws there is yeah. on the road. And and it, it everyone gets delayed because someone's going extra slow when they could speed it up a little bit. Or someone is thinks they're Mark Martin and driving in the middle of the lane and, and water everywhere. So I'm trashing the people that don't understand that you still follow the law when you drive on the road in a rainstorm. It's, it's a new concept, folks, but I'm trashing that. It's the landfill overnight in El Paso. Let it not be missed that Mark Martin is still Bilotti's NASCAR driver reference. Well, I, I'm guessing he retired 20 years ago. <laughs> Maybe not 20, but it's been a while. Uh, Sterling Martin? <laughs> that other guy? <laughs> he plays right field for the Mets now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But Jeff Gordon? Jeff Gordon... You know, that's a good question. No, it's Jimmy Johnson that drives, I think, the Indy cars. The coach? No, no, no. Former NASCAR driver. Ah, okay. Although I can never remember. One of them does Jimmy IE. One does wide. I never can remember which one I does think which. Jimmy, Jimmy Y is the coach. I think you're right. I think you're right. Schwartz, who you trash him? While my family and I had a fantastic time at the Hall of Fame festivities in Canton, I'm going to trash the NFL. Wow. decision... To have, or maybe it was the Hall of Fame people that did this, but they had this actor poet, Steve Connell, do this like five minute thing before each Hall of Famer spoke on Saturday. Okay. And it was, I don't know if you saw any I of did this. not. 
it was just like cringeworthy. It was just it, unnecessary, like you know, blabber coming out of his mouth. And you know, Chris Berman from ESPN again is the master of ceremonies. And to me, it just took away from the masterful job that he does every year doing that. So this guy comes out and for five minutes talks and poetically about the the Hall of Famers in in a manner which was just cringeworthy. It was like he was like trying to mic drop, and it was to me it was just it took away and it added an extra hour to the whole thing. If he doesn't do this. You know, nine guys get into the Hall of Fame. It was probably five, seven minutes for each one of them that this guy talked before Chris Berman came out and did his thing. It just was awful, and it just made the day dra- drag a little bit. Again, it was a great day and a great week there, but th- that was unnecessary. I'm getting queasy. Do you think they needed some kind of time filler in between to, like, reset stuff for the next Honoree? No, it was way too much time in between. You know, person's done with their speech. They take a commercial. They can come back and have Chris Berman come out and speak, which he did anyway. Right. So to me, it was it was added on unnecessarily to the whole day. And I think it took away and it made the day a little longer. And I think there were other people around us that were like, you know, what's going on with this guy? I, th- I think it did probably need some time filler because you got to move the bus. And the bus are probably not easy to lift. And the people are old. So it's like it was way too much time, yeah. and it was un- it was cringeworthy. I wonder if he took too much time. Like he was, he was there like do ninety seconds, and he did four minutes. Well, if he was supposed to do ninety seconds, he went way past the time, and they should have pulled him after the first couple. It was just uncomfortable to listen to. We mentioned this yesterday. I saw a picture of um, very limited attendance. Was mm-hmm. it a small crowd Saturday? I would say, well, for the game was sold out. Right, the game was packed. Um, I would say, for, in general, they probably sold 22,000 out of 25,000 seats. But people were shifting in and out. I could tell you that Zach Thomas went first. 95% of the Dolphin fans that were there got up and left after Zach really? Thomas. Yeah. So the picture I saw at the, was near was before Joe Thomas. So by then, oh, it had taken every, its toll. People had, oh, people had cleared out. I will tell you, a lot of Jet fans got up after Joe Klecko's speech, did okay. not bother waiting for Darrell Rivas. Wow. Um, and there were people that got... And you have to remember, too, around the stadium is like this magnificent like plaza area, Hall of Fame Village. So there's actually like things to do on the grounds other than, than sit there. So if you were not interested in listening to a certain person go in the hall, you could have come and gone. So there were people moving in and out. But mass exodus after... Each guy spoke because the fan base had no interest in anything else. All right, so here's my trash. I'm going to do this delicately. I don't want anybody to yell at me. But I'm trashing everybody who is going to see this Barbie movie dressed as Barbie. And that includes my daughter. (laughs) She and her two friends went to see Barbie dressed up for the occasion. And I guess, you know, if you're 12, you're a preteen, you get a pass here. But if you're an adult going dressed as Barbie or dressed in pink... I don't know what you're accomplishing here. Go and have fun. Make a big deal of it. Go with your girlfriends, whatever. I, I see seen theaters that have like little like photo opportunity, like cardboard cutout things. Take all those pictures. But dressing for the occasion is like wearing golf clothes to a golf tournament, going to the U.S. Open dressed like Roger Federer, going to a Mets game in head-to-toe in pinstripe pants <laughs> underneath my Gary Carter jersey. I, I This is where... 
Ninja Turtles comes in. I love, me and my brother loved that show growing up. I want to see the movie. I'm not going there with a plastic turtle shell on my back. <laughs> I don't understand Please where do this it. came <laughs> from. Okay, so the joke came from the Oppenheimer Barbie thing, right? So you people were going to like wear suits to see Oppenheimer as like a joke. Dumb. And then switch into like beach clothes. Sure. But it just ended up being people wearing pink clothing to Barbie. Because nobody's stupid enough to wear a we, we suit should, to a movie. We should wear beach clothes to Oppenheimer. Flip it up. <laughs> yeah. Double feature. That's right. Wear suits to Barbie. And dress like a 1950s gentleman to go see. To... <laughs> ah, see? <laughs> dress like Jody. But it, like, it's overwhelming. It's all Instagram and Facebook are is, is women and dudes dressed for, for Barbie. And I it's just, it's so perplexing me. We'd never have thought, crossed my mind, going to a movie, especially like a nostalgic movie, to go dress like that. Like, put on a costume. Yeah. Ridiculous. Now, and I've Stupid. S- and we've seen it before, I feel like, with Star Wars and those kind of movies. People do dress it's up. It's all their fault, too. But it, that's it, also... It, it's, it's guys dressed up as Darth Vader to go see Star Wars. Just go see the movie, like, like a human being. But I expect that from nerds, and I say that lovingly because I'm a nerd, too. But I do have my limits in my nerddom. And it stops. That line is drawn before wearing costumes yeah, to places. Yeah, you, you, you get out of a get out of a car wearing a cape in July <laughs> to go see a movie. I'm all gonna go see for Superman, but I gotta have a big S on my chest and a red cape. You think that's that's great? I, I think it's stupid. Yeah, I, I think it's I, really go stupid. Go play in your backyard and, and jump off a playground doing that. Don't do it. Uh, go to a movie theater and, and and dress up like like Superman or, or Barbie or Oppenheimer or whatever. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm not going to bring my katanas to go see Ninja Turtles next week. (laughs) Does Barbie have a costume, though? It's just pink clothing. Well, I I mean, I I guess you could really go all out and go as, like, you know, Dr. Barbie, real estate agent Barbie. Like, you could, she did have different ensembles as the toy. You could max those. I I would agree. I can can handle pink clothing. When you get to wearing, like, a space suit, that's too far. Yeah, I would even, I mean, even pink clothing seems like a lot to me. You think people go in the toy store and dressing like Buzz Lightyear? They probably did actually. Like the like the like the cost the big like the big helmet and everything. Definitely like Woody. Yeah, that's easy to accomplish. Yeah. An eight year old maybe, not an eight year old, like like a four year old. Right. But not a forty year old yeah. <laughs> dressed up as as Rex. Right. Your kid should go to the Paw Patrol movie with a Paw Patrol shirt or like his favorite Paw Patrol Hat. stuffed animal. Yes. But as an adult, you should not be dressing up for Barbie. You see Barbie, absolutely, and everyone apparently has, but no costumes. But also, that movie is, from what I've gathered, that movie is not really meant for children. Which is another no. thing. And I've had more than one, like, mom friend in our neighborhood be like, yeah, it took my five-year-old. She didn't really like it. I'm like, I'm, I'm not surprised she didn't like it. It's a five-year-old <laughs> in a movie. Like, they don't like it. Movies in general, or even the ones they like, are be tough for them. It's not designed for five-year-olds. That's Barbie ridiculous. was great. It was yeah? a great movie. Did you see Oppenheimer? Yes. Did you see them together? No. Okay. Because I saw Barbie way too late at night. Okay. Well, and the other thing uh, to add on to your trash Please. is these movie lengths are horrible. I mean, if you want to go see Oppenheimer, go bring a pillow. I mean, you're going to fall asleep in there. Bring an atomic bomb-shaped pillow to rest yeah. on in the movie. <laughs> That's right. See, if you want to bring something, bring some. Uh, bring a, bring a blanket. You know, bring some goobers and, 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 and enjoy yourself. 
But, but call Mark Martin. <laughs> yeah, call Mark Martin. <laughs> Dale Jarrett. He can drive you with your goobers <laughs> yeah. in his NASCAR car. That's right. I know the movies are too long. I I I I miss the days when you could do it in ninety minutes. So. Oppenheimer's three hours? Yeah, exactly three hours. See, now that's a movie to me that should be three hours. Like, I'm okay with that. But another, like a regular movie that's not a historical kind of thing can't pass like two hours, 2.15. Then that's too oh, long. No. Not, no even su- not even superhero movies? No. I, 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 I love Iron Man, but I don't need to see him for three and a half hours. I'll pass. Is Iron Man that long? That's one of my favorites. Is that that long? No, I'm it's just, not, I'm right? just giving an example. But some I, of those other ones are like two and a half hours easy. Yeah, it, it takes away from it. I think, I think you don't need to see that for two and a half hours. I think it, it just takes away the juice from the movie. Takes away the juice. Yeah, no, no juice after Can't that. Can't lose the juice. 90 minutes, you're done with the juice. Steven and SC, I'm trashing Pete the body ever since I commented on his post about the Mets, and he knows I'm a Braves fan, and he said, good luck getting eliminated from the playoffs this year. The Braves have uh, sucked or struggled mightily. Thanks, Pete. You're putting the jinx, the hex, on the Braves? What a beatdown. I'm not doing it. They do it all the time. Two championships in 30 years. I mean, relax. Oh, and then Steve follows up with, I bet Pete dresses up when he goes to a wrestling show. Oh, I do not. Oh, I do not. <laughs> Are you sure? I do not. You have a wrestling shirt on, though, right? It's defensive. Right. I'll wear a shirt, but but there's guys that dress up with championship belts, and they're the real ones too. The right, you replicas. leave those ones at home. You no, have I, I have one that's up in the office. <laughs> there's one up in the office, like like a normal human being if they wanted to buy it, like something like that. But it's like an office piece. Uh, at Joey Shackelford, I'm trashing Pat Boyle for calling touchdowns tutties. Are we really doing this for another season? It's a fair question, Joey. We're eroding. Carlos doesn't like it. Carlos has an opinion. Yeah, it's a cool kid thing. Tutties. There's a couple of them. 100-yard games or something else, too. There's a couple. We have to... If Boyle's around long-term, that's a thing we're going to need to address with Boyle. That's for sure. Dixieland Dan's trashing my daughter and wife. My daughter spilled a gallon of milk in my floor. Didn't tell us. My wife badly scratched the floors moving the couch. Why in the hell did I spend three weeks putting nice hardwood floors down for you two to destroy them in three months? We're eroding. I got that right. I forgot what Dixieland Dan called his house again. He told us once it was amazing. I said, what is it? I can't remember. You guys told me, and I don't remember it again. But it was a long process. He kept it since a day. We got pictures and everything like that. If you're messing up his floors immediately, then shame on Mrs. Dixieland and Dixieland daughter. You can't do that. You can't do that. Moist Pork, good morning, AB. I want to trust people who use the dumpster in our parking lot at work. Our private dumpster that we pay for, dumping your construction garbage in there, leaving us no space for our own garbage is not okay. Hashtag trash them. Let's face it. That's straight trash. Well, they're appropriately labeled. A lot of you have trashed, and Steven Severna Parker, a good buddy, is the latest, trashing my Orioles owners, the Angelos family, for suspending Kevin Brown for doing nothing. All caps, multiple exclamation points. I would wish bad karma on any other team. Karma, please spare my O's. Hashtag Angelos trash. Splash Brothers, more like the Trash Brothers. You guys 
tweeted at me last night when I shared uh, this story and Gary Cohen's response to this story that as if we were not going to discuss it this morning. And we are uh, here we are two hours in. Schwartz has mentioned it in his updates, but let's do it now here long form. If you don't know where we are on all this, Kevin Brown, who I think was on the show, trying to remember with Pete, I know we were trying to get him on the show, but I can't remember if we actually did succeed in getting him on. I believe he was on a couple of weeks ago. Right. When DA came back from his secret baby, uh, he wanted to do a couple of rapid-fire baseball guests to kind of catch up on some teams that have made headlines, and the Orioles certainly were one of them. And I know they were efforting Kevin Brown, and I couldn't remember if he actually got him on because, again, at that point, the producer wasn't good at booking guests on this show. At that point? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I also know that Kevin and DA are indirectly connected, not the same age group, through Syracuse. Uh, Kevin's a very good, I can't believe, he's a young broadcaster. He's younger than me. I'm not a broadcaster, but I am old. So uh, Kevin does a really good job in Baltimore. And this was July 23rd. Orioles Orioles were playing in Tampa Bay. And this is basically the scene-setting, on-camera game-opening comment. Uh, and here is apparently what Kevin Brown did and said to get in trouble with his bosses in Baltimore. Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in. But the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three. And they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the Trop this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years, combined it is a stark difference Ben and it is not a bad Rays team it's not like all of a sudden the Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East they've led this division every day but now two and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place was that music supposed to be there I don't remember hearing that music last night right it just came in and out they didn't go to break with that music that wasn't the signal to wrap it up (laughs) that's weird too so the 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 biggest sentence in all of that, apparently, is when Kevin says the Orioles have won three times this year in Tampa Bay after having won three times their total over the previous two seasons. That's the point, that they used to be really bad in this building, and now they've won three of the five games so far here this year. Those are valid things to point out. He did not make fun of anybody. He did not mock anybody. Those numbers were on the screen. Did the graphics guy, did the Masson director get in trouble too? Somebody typed those numbers, those records, into a graphic. They put it on the screen. Kevin Brown was talking over it. And guess what? You know where they got those numbers from? The Baltimore Orioles game notes. For those of you that don't know, Whatever the sport, baseball, basketball, NBA, hockey, football, professional, college, sometimes, God forbid, high school gets that important. Every team produces an an information packet. They're called game notes. Sometimes they're for an entire series, but usually they're game to game, and they have 8,000 tidbits of information in them. Most of them are useless, minutiae crazy bits of research that you're never going to use on the broadcast. Other things are important. This bit about the record and the improvement this year in Tampa Bay 
for the Orioles, opposed to the previous two seasons, this information was in the team-issued Baltimore Orioles game notes for that day. So Baltimore Oriole employees in the information, the media relations department, put that note in their notes, printed them out, emailed them to people. They get on the TV broadcast. Kevin Brown says that. This is all July 23rd. Brown then works the ensuing series on radio. The Orioles have a lot of broadcasters, and they all spin through TV and radio. So he works the next series on radio and then doesn't work again and hasn't worked since. He has not worked since July 26th. It took people a little while to realize, wow, Kevin's been gone for a while. They start digging around. They start asking. They start wondering. And then yesterday, somebody finds out that he's been suspended, taken off the air for this open, for pointing out that the Orioles used to suck in Tampa Bay, but they don't suck there anymore. Had he said it the way I just said it, maybe he gets a talking to from somebody. But he said it in a regular way, reading words that were on the screen, maybe directly provided by the team. And then the guy that owns the team, or at least runs the team now, John Angelos, apparently gets all worked up about this, and Kevin Brown is suspended. And that kick-started yesterday I don't know, 12, 16 hours of everybody destroying the Orioles. Guys who host radio shows, women who host radio shows like this during the day went after them. Into the evening, they went after them. Podcasts, tweets, other posts went after them. And then basically every TV broadcaster as well took turns bashing the Orioles during their games last night. You've already heard it, but here it is again in New York on SNY during Mets-Cubs we got this from Gary Cohen. Let me just say one thing to Baltimore Orioles management. You draped yourself in humiliation when you fired John Miller, and you're doing it again. And if you don't want Kevin Brown, there are 29 other teams who do. It's a horrendous decision by the Orioles. I don't know what they were thinking, but they've gotten exactly the reaction that they deserve. And it's just a shame because the Orioles are playing so well, and now they've diverted attention from that and now made themselves a laughing stock. So I play Gary because, A, I heard it live. B, it was planned because they cut from a fly ball to center field to Gary with their booth camera. Gary put his pen down, looked at the camera, delivered all of that, draped in humiliation, laughing stock. And Gary, to me, is the best in the business of TV. We sound like the Dean TV broadcaster. So where everybody said something last night, I defer to Gary's opinion on all of this. And he is 100% right. This is utterly embarrassing. This is a thing that requires a phone call from MLB headquarters to the Orioles to tell them to stop being doofuses because this is unbelievable. Now, the John Miller, who to me is one of the best radio guys of all time, what Gary's referencing, they don't remember the year, but this was Peter Angelos who fired John Miller as the Orioles' longtime voice because he didn't think that John Miller was a big enough Oriole fan on the air. Now, that's a touchy subject, so to speak, in this business, because depending on where you come from, you have different feelings towards how much of a fan broadcasters should be. Here in New York, where we everyone has done it, the people who came before us, and I use that, I include me and us loosely, but guys who worked in New York who came to talk to me as a student in Fordham, this is what they learned. This is what they told us. If you listen to New York, and I think skewing more Northeast, 
people usually play it down the middle, especially the the play-by-play person. It's, you know, 60-70% Mets, 40-30% the other team. There is no we and us and them. There is no real celebrating or stuff like that. Now, other places, it is us versus them. And there's super, super, super excited calls for touchdowns, home runs, whatever, by your team. And then when the other guy hits one, it's like, fly ball to left field. It's deep. It's gone. And the White Sox lead 7-1. to So that type of broadcast is up to you. It's different other places. But the Orioles wanting John Miller, who is an old-school, Welch kind of classically trained broadcaster, to be more Orioles was a joke back then. And this is just a joke now. And... It's not surprising to me that as far as I know, as of now 8.16 Eastern this morning, the Orioles have said nothing about this. There's not been a response. There's not been anybody refuting that this is the story. And I guess we need to leave the door slightly ajar for there being more to this story. But I feel like if there was more to this story, if Kevin Brown had done anything on mic, off mic, that actually warranted this type of punishment, somebody would have whispered it to an Angelos-friendly media person who then would have put it out there. But it's just silence. There's no pushback. There's no fixing. There's no apology. There's just silence from guys who already made one cowardly decision. What what Kevin Brown said on the air on July 23rd wasn't wrong in the slightest. Not even a little bit. He was just retelling you history what things had happened, how things have played out. And in the end, it was good news. The point was the Orioles used to never win here. Now they've won here this year more than they've lost. It's one of the reasons why they have jumped over the Rays to take the lead in the AL East. And that, to me, is what's the most frustrating, saddest part about this, is up until yesterday, the Orioles were just a good story. That's it. Gunnar Henderson, Grayson uh, Rodriguez, all these other, Jackson Holiday looming in the minors. They've overcome the Rays' 13-0 start. They're the best team in the AL East. Maybe they're the best team in the American League. They trade for Jack Flaherty. They have these two huge flame-throwing relievers closing out games for them. Camden's alive again. There's. It's been all good things, all compliments. The plan finally worked. They figured it out. This is no fluke. They're here to stay. I mean, we were telling them to go trade for Otani. Use some of those prospects. Go get that guy. Put him in the middle of your lineup. Put him in your rotation. And now maybe you are the best team in the American League. And all of that's on pause for now because they can't not be who they actually are. A lot of teams have to overcome ownership to be successful. And for a while, the Orioles couldn't do it, and the owners didn't let them do it. Now they've actually spent a little, invested a little, had all those bad teams become good draft picks and now good players, and they're rolling. One of the best stories in the game, and they crashed into the wall of this yesterday, of the Angelos family still being the Angelos family. Being short-sighted, being overly sensitive, being straight dumb. Kevin Brown didn't do anything, let alone something that maybe needed to be addressed. He didn't do anything wrong. Nothing. You know, we're not debating the validity or the length of the suspension. It was too harsh. It was too this. 
he shouldn't have been even given a sideways glance by anybody for saying that. And at least go full-on crazy for the Orioles. He wasn't the only one part of this story. Suspend the graphics person. Suspend whoever in the media office wrote that note and put it in the game notes. Because they're all connected. If if pointing out that the Orioles didn't used to win in Tampa Bay is a crime, then not only Kevin Brown's guilty of it, but to pick him out for nothing and then not even have the goal to say anything, just let us figure out what happened. And then once we figured out what happened yesterday, to still say nothing about it, it's just shameful. Just shameful. And it spoils all of the good stuff that you've built up. It reminds us of who you actually are. And up until this year, there were very few reasons to root for the Angelos clan. The baseball team finally was able to catch up and overcome all of their nonsense. But now the nonsense is back, and we're not talking, at least for now, about Orioles baseball. And oh, by the way, Awful Announcing wrote the first kind of full-length story on this. Somebody else in Baltimore started it. He was the one that found out what had happened. Awful Announcing advanced the story. Then The Athletic picked it up. In the Awful Announcing write-up, it mentions that Kevin Brown, this happened, he was working TV for this Rays series. The next series, I think which was in Philadelphia or against the Phillies, he worked it on radio and then didn't work again. And Awful Announcing writes it as if he was going to be in trouble immediately, but he had to work the Phillies series because somebody else was in trouble over a wardrobe issue. Now, Ryan, you're nodding your head. I don't know if they, you saw more of that. I think they, like the person didn't want to wear Orioles-specific attire okay. to the game. Because when I read that, I was like, okay, that's another thing we need to figure out because... You know, there's one thing to over overreact to what Kevin Kevin Brown did or did not do. But if they're now dictating to what people are wearing, and my first thought was Melanie Newman works for the Orioles, and I didn't know who had worked there or whatever that weekend. But I'm thinking now, are they messing with what what she's wearing as a woman on camera or off camera? Like, so that's like a real thing that needed to be addressed too because that actually could have been something that was... What's the right word? Like actually wrong that needed to be addressed really by baseball if they're telling people what to wear or not to wear. So if somebody didn't want to wear an Orioles polo on TV, I mean, it's still petty and stupid, and it's another thing to figure out. But at least it's not as bad as I thought it might have been when I read those two sentences yesterday. As long as you look professional, what's the issue with what they're wearing? It's not like they're wearing, like, a T-shirt and shorts to call the game. If they're wearing a suit or looking expensive and fancy polo... yeah. It doesn't have to have the Orioles logo. No, it doesn't. Because they are, those guys, a lot of them, men and women, they, you get paid by the team and those jobs. You do work for the team, but you also have to be a journalist. You can't, you're not just there to be a mouthpiece. You're not another PR agent. You're there to do a job. You're there to be half a journalist. And there are rules, and some people feel very strongly about those rules. And I understand one of them being, listen, I'll put a Masson logo on my shirt. That's who I'm on camera for, but I'm not wearing the Orioles logo on my polo because while you do give me checks, I need to have some form of you know, legitimacy and transparency here. I get that argument. It's just, it's just a mess. Analytics is just a term that's kind of thrown around a lot. It's time now for the Mothership's Advanced Analytics. 
Today's poll question was, after I trash people for dressing up as Barbie to go see the Barbie movie, have you ever worn a costume to a movie theater? 71 of you voted, and thank the good whatever, 93% of you 71 voters said no. They have not worn a costume to a movie theater. Thank you for being on the right side of sanity. Now, advanced analytics would tell you that the cowardly lion costume from The Wizard of Oz was actually made from two lion skins. It weighed over 90 pounds. So he might have been cowardly, but he was in shape by the end of that movie, carrying around 90 pounds of lion skin. William Shatner was the inspiration behind Michael Myers' mask in Halloween? Yeah, very bad. It was very, very badly made, but it looks the same if you look at it. Robert De Niro in The Untouchables actually hired Al Capone's tailors to make his suits for the movie. And Ryan Botcher did dress up as Ken for his viewing of the Barbie movie. Is that true? (laughs) Yes. I wore a a Hawaiian shirt, a pink shirt, and then like cargo shorts. So it wasn't like a full costume. It was in theme. It was almost a regular costume. A regular... Yeah, it's my like average wardrobe. Right. So... I should admit this at least, I guess, if you're going to admit that. Now, I did not see Barbie at all. I did not go to Barbie in any kind of costume. I will not go again dressed as Donatello when I see Ninja Turtles soon. Leonardo, maybe. (laughs) I guess. Or Splinter. But I will admit that I did yesterday. I I came across (laughs) a workout on uh, an Instagram video. It was like, save this and whatever. It was like a 20-minute uh, core cardio workout and it was inspired by the workout that Ryan Gosling did to be Ken in the Barbie movie. So you want to be him. So I want I do want to look like him I guess in terms of six pack abs not anything else. The hair is pretty nice. The hair is nice. That is true. His, he's also a handsome man. I can I can happily and easily admit that. And if I look, if I get a pack, let alone six-pack abs off this workout, then more power to Ryan Gosling. You'll be shocked to hear this, but the Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly serves the Armed Forces, DOD, veterans, and their families. They're members of the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Here's the real shocker. Your Defensive Player of the Week is Brewers pitcher Freddie Peralta taking matters into his own hands last night. He said, hey, defense, you suck. I'm going to keep as many balls away from you as possible. Peralta dominated the Colorado Rockies 13 Ks over seven innings while allowing just one hit. Milwaukee holds a game-and-a-half lead over Joey Votto and the Reds in the NL Central. We're going back in time for today's epic fail. It was originally presented to me as from 2001. I assumed maybe it was Ryan Botcher's birth because we learned today (laughs) that he was born in the year 2001. But no, actually it's 2021 and it is simultaneously a throwback uh, epic fail. But it's also maybe the origin story of Pete versus. This is Pete versus me and weather people from 2021. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic feel. We had a storm, uh, Hurricane Henry, Henry, or whatever. Henry. 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 
It's more sophisticated. <laughs> and, you know, we were hearing about it all weekend, about how it could hit Long Island. It hit Rhode Island, but, you know, it, it was going to hit Long Island. It was going to hit right over Bob's Bar. It was going to do all this stuff. Yeah. And then it ended up turning toward Rhode Island. How do we not have the technology with all these Dopplers and all these radars? <laughs> how do we not have the technology that tells you exactly what's going to happen with said storm? They were beyond gutless. I don't get it. We have we have technology on our phones. We have technology everywhere you can find it. We can't get the technology for this. Get them out. Totally fair. And with this system, you got this guy buying rope and tying down his bar. <laughs> I got so much rope. You guys, you guys are so wrong on this. It's DA's dojo of death. You're so wrong Uh-oh. on this. But tell I will us how we're wrong. other people until my last day on this planet. Oh You're asking them to know in advance perfectly where miles and miles and miles of clouds and energy and rain and wind is going to go. Vocal combat. I'm not when saying that. into other big features. <laughs> but no, but you are. You, no, wanna, you said exactly no, that. You said, I want to know no, where I'm it's not. going. Finish him. No, I'm not. I'm saying the technology. I'm not saying them. I'm saying the technology. Why haven't we invented something that can tell us that? We have we did. Dopplers. We invented technology that told us it was going to... Two days before that, it was spinning off the Florida coast, and they said it's coming generally up here, so right. be ready in Long Island, okay. Rhode Island, and Massachusetts, I'm and running, it's exactly I'm, what it did. It came up looking, the entire coast of America. I'm running around looking for a generator specialist. That, there's none of them out there. <laughs> well done, warrior. And 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 nothing. Well, happened. that's your fault. That's not Mr. G's fault. That definitely Mr. Mr. G's fault. Mr. And his G. radar. <laughs> Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. I won that day, and I still win again today. No, you didn't. Your whole argument was defeated when you called it Hurricane Henry. Well, have, have a have a have a different name for it then. One I can pronounce. You can't. I mean. We're not good at French on this show, based on Ui Ui and Je ne sais quoi and whatnot. Well, why do we have French names then for hurricanes? I mean, why do we have names? Period. Right. For storms. Hurricane One. That's you know what? Correct. Right. Let's just number these bad boys. That's right. Hurricane Seventy Five. But I remember that now. I came home from my summer uh, vacation a day early to prepare for Henri. And it was just by us. So it was just a windstorm. It was nasty, but it was just wind. Yeah, and then and then I'm out there with with the specialist for my generator. He's hitting the generator with with a, with a hammer. I'm like, well, what is this all about? Oh, you got to get it fixed. Okay, well, you're the specialist. Fix it. But you're also the guy who would have been trashing them for telling you for not telling you that Henry was coming. Yes, because they're the weathermen. And if they didn't say it and you didn't have this specialist come, your generator wouldn't have worked if you needed and you said, why wouldn't anybody tell yeah. me right, that there well, was well, a huge storm coming <laughs> and I could have been prepared for the it? The storm's coming to the general area. Yeah. All right, so, so the entire Eastern Seaboard, get ready. Yeah. Ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. You should have pinpoint accuracy on where it goes, at least within a, a good 30-mile radius. And they, and you know what? They probably did, and you didn't realize it. Well, it didn't hit us. And we got that wind The storm. wind was the storm. The <laughs> rain was off the end of Long Island. Oh, ridiculous. The rain was on the other side of the storm. We got the wind side. Oh, come on. Yeah, you're wrong. You're wrong. Nope. Wasn't <laughs> wrong then. Still not wrong now. You're stupid. Okay. <laughs> I'm still all thrown off by David Wright. My mom is texting me. Right. How excited she is that I met David Wright today. I'm living the dream, she just said. And how about how about Peter Schwartz uh, trying to get tickets from him? Well, I mean, I think Schwartz even knows that there are rules. You can't ask 
for free tickets to a charity event. <laughs> you need to pay your way in for that one. Schwartz, he knows that. But of course he said hello to David. He has to acknowledge that he's here. Now, maybe also to Pete's chagrin, I took Schwartz's headphones and put them in the seat to my right where David Wright was going to sit. But then David didn't use them. So they almost were David Wright used headphones, which would have went on some kind of mantle in the Schwartz household, but then he didn't use them. Or on Amazon. <laughs> that too. Uh, so thanks again to our new best friend and possibly our new producer, David Wright, for joining us this morning, as well as Toby Rowland, the voice of Oklahoma football. As always, thanks to you for listening. Uh, to Pete. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.